This is episode 21 of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, January 31st, 2012. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. And uh, we're back from conferences. And we have more than three listeners. That seems to be true. Um, Actually, there were a lot of listeners at uh, LinuxConf Australia. There were a few at scale as well. Um, and we actually had more than three people email in about that whole, is there calculus in movies thing. And I win. Well, you win. Well, first of all, I was not clear about the fact that I was thinking of integral and differential calculus, and there is also vector calculus and probably other types of calculus. Blah, blah, blah. I win. (laughs) So the first one that came in was about vector calculus. Then another one came in about there's actually were some movies that had briefly had integral and differential Mm -hmm. calculus as some sort of plot point. So it's fine, but it's not very common. And certainly it's not the center of the movie. But you were the worst kind of wrong. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Technically wrong. <laughs> so, um, that's true. I'm sorry. But I'm not anyway, really. I don't and, usually. And I think some people thought uh, we went back and, well, we actually didn't go back and check, but somebody went back and checked and said that actually it was a bet between me and you, and I don't even know what we bet. I don't think some we pe- actually bet anything. Somebody thought that they were going to win something, which I felt bad about. Oh. They're not going to win something. They won our love and admiration. Well, that's fine. But that, all our listeners have that. That's true. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are listening to the show, as it turns yeah. out. Because a lot of them wrote in to tell us they were listening to it. Yeah, and I'm glad I got to gloat about calculus and movies. So, uh, <laughs> so I was at scale, and I gave probably the best version of that talk that's now retired. Which, Isn't that how it always happens? Well, because it's the most you've ever rehearsed it. Yeah. And I guess every time is sort of the best time, because you've rehearsed it the most at that point. Definitely, my uh, LCA talk was the best of its... I mean, it... it I haven't given that exact talk before, but um, but it was the best of, of the medical devices talk. Well, wasn't it a longer version of the keynote you gave at OSCON? So, yeah, it, the keynote from OSCON was merely 15 minutes, and this was an hour-long talk, so a lot of it was expanded. Um, but also, I think there were some, some different points and a more direct connection between the concepts brought up in the medical devices stuff and, um, and you know, and the importance of GNOME. Specifically, and you're a better executive director than me because you keep la- I keep landing uh, like regular talks, and you keep landing in these keynotes for. Well, Gnome. now that I'm an A celebrity, Bradley. Well, you're a. I said that in an email that Karen is clearly kidding. on the A list now of the of the free software and open source celebrities, which basically means that we said it on the show. Actually, I think oh, we, we had did. This well, anyway, already. I, I think you're we obviously did have this Gnome Foundation has a better executive director than Conservancy does because I can't land any more. Ke- I haven't had a keynote in years. It's not a competition, but I'm you know I'm having my I'm having keynotes for the first time. So it's yeah, but yeah, I haven't had one in so long. Before we said on the show, so, fame is a fickle thing, right? It's two years ago was my thing. last keynote. Well, nobody even remembers. That's not that it's long. At ago. least two years, maybe three. That's really not that long. Some ago. listener can find it the last time I gave a keynote, but I give these track talks. And know. I don't know when the next time I will give a keynote is. I mean, I'm. I, I usually I give regular track talks. And I actually I feel was going to recommend you to keynote something soon. Were you cool? Well, it's a conservancy related conference, awesome. so I'm conflicted out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna I was gonna try to find a way to recommend you in. Oh, that's nice. So I'm working on that. Yeah, I mean I do like speaking. Although I think in some ways I need to cut down on my travel because 
it takes away from, from the real work, as you know. I mean, not that speaking at conferences isn't real work. I think it is, and it takes a lot of time. Just oh, to I've prepare. solved that one. I just don't take any days off. Well, I haven't been taking days off either. <laughs> it doesn't help because then you don't have time to do all the stuff that you needed to do. I mean, yeah, it's true. that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I tried to work on the plane rides, but I just, I just couldn't. Oh, that's, that's easy. Yeah, there's a trick to it, and you have to be mean. So it's probably not good for you. What do you mean? Well, you see, if you set your laptop up just right, they can't put the seat back in front of you. I've heard you talk about this before. I don't know if we've actually talked about it on the show. We have not. But um, I do think that's mean, and that's not my problem. Oh, that's not your problem? Is no. Because once the seat goes back in front of me, even if I put my seat back, which I think is rude to the person behind me anyway, um, I'm stuck. I can't see the sc screen well enough. Uh, to be able to do it. And I don't have enough. I, people are going to write in and say I should use a netbook and all this stuff. I, 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 I basically cannot work on those really tiny machines. It's not a real computer in my view because the keyboard's too small and I can't type fast enough and it's just frustrating to use and the screen's too small and I can't see anything. And so anyway. Well, airplanes are the one place in the world where short people, or not the one, one of the few places in the world where short people have a real advantage. So on planes, it, it helps me that uh, it's not that critical. Um, whether the person in front of me puts their seat down or not. Yeah, yeah. See, so for me, it's that's fine. the, the problem, entire plane ride. No, the problem for me is that, you know, usually, I can usually work on the way to the conferences, especially if I haven't perfected my talk yet. Then I very nervously work on them. Um, or it, this time it was two talks. So, um, so that's fine. It's just on the way back, I'm so fried from all of the prep and the, so, you know, like having all of those intense talks with people, plus the performance aspect of it, plus trying to keep, keep up on work at nights um, that I'm so fried and the act of travel is so exhausting that and distracting that the best that I can do is, you know, is just tune out. Yeah. I, I certainly batch work that doesn't require as much concentration, but of course, because conservancy can't afford a bookkeeper, there's plenty of bookkeeping work. I can And do you sometimes place. watch movies. I used to, not since I went oh, full-time really? to Conservancy now. Oh, I didn't it's know It's not time for that. What, huh? what time for movies? What are I, you talking I about? I have to. I have to watch movies. I can't help yeah. it. You... So, occasionally, I do plug in to one of the movies that's airing on the plane uh -huh. and just listen to it in the background. But that's no different than just having the TV on the background while you're trying to work. I mean, I'm doing bookkeeping. It's not like I, I can't do any real uh, concentration-focused work on planes. That's definitely yeah. true. But there's plenty of mundane stuff to get done when you only have two people working full-time for an organization there's plenty of stuff that that's everybody true. has to do that's mundane and boring and that sort of thing but we're back to sort of our two executive directors complaining episode blah, so blah, we gotta blah, move blah, on from blah, that blah. and um, so yeah my scale yeah. talk was uh was recorded so i'll probably put a pointer to that somewhere or probably on my blog um it's a talk that our listeners have heard already if they've heard our back catalog because we used it as a oddcast a version of it as an uh, and your LCA talk, we actually might want to consider if we can get the audio. Maybe, but well, the 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 talk has been posted. But you know, I mean, as you said, it is similar. It is an expansion of the fifteen minute talk. Oh, there's a lot more in there because it is an hour long talk. But. Right. So maybe we should use it. Why don't we? Why don't we ask listeners to write in whether they <laughs> want you to we want us to do it? Even given they've heard the fifteen minute Ozcon version, do they want an Ogcast that's the full version? Or? I guess so. They can also go and. That's Watch true, it. but you see, we want to get easy content. We and, do want easy content. And so, can... and speaking of easy content, we're about to go to FOSDEM where we're going to collect a bunch of easy content. Which we had somebody write in who said they liked both the easy speaker content and... And our, 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 our banter. Yeah. 
And somebody uh, found me on IRC and said that they really liked the, they have no time to go to conferences and they really like that we record conference talks. So, so we're going to try to record as many of the talks at FOSDEM's policy and legal issues track uh, that we're co-coordinating with Tom Marble and which means Tom Marble's doing and Richard almost Fontana. all the work. Yeah, and Richard Fontana, but still means but that still Tom Marble's doing 95% yeah. of the work and you, me, and Richard Fontana have done 5%. So, uh, so, and Tom's still doing work. I got emails from him in the last few days. Yeah. And he's got it all coordinated. He's got the speaker's dinner coordinated. It's pretty amazing. So we will, I will probably not try to record the panels because I'm only taking this one microphone that we use, uh, but I will try to get the individual talks. There's two panels and I'll probably just not even try with those because it's too many speakers at once. But for single speakers, I can usually get the mic in a good spot that with Dan Lynch doing his little bit of magic can usually boost the gain enough that it sounds okay no matter where I put it. So we'll try to do that and we'll try to ask people for slides. I think most of them have agreed mm. to CC by SA, so we should have weeks of content uh, coming up. So when this this one's got this one's we didn't say what date this one's coming out, did we? Um, yeah, this one's coming out on the thirty first of January. So the next one comes out on the fourteenth, and that will probably uh, February, and that will probably be the first. Uh, Is that first Valentine's Day? Is that the date of Valentine's? I don't know. I don't Who know either. About that? I'm with you. Okay, so uh, so that's the the. I wish I had brought it. a. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Brought I wish I had brought a microphone to record my uh, my other talk at LCA, which was a nonprofits talk. Um, because while I've given nonprofits talks before, this was the first time I gave a much more high level talk. Sort of, especially since it was outside of the United States, I tried not to focus on U.S. legal issues. And although it, uh, obviously I talked some about it, but I talked about sort of the overarching ideas behind um, nonprofit formation and the the pitfalls that one can. Um, encounter when um, when one creates a, a nonprofit, both in like governance and overall organization and fundraising and stuff like that. So um, yeah, Josh Burkus gave a talk like that at scale, um, which I sat in the front row and oh okay, gave him a hard time about. Uh, Actually, I only gave him a hard time when he got Conservancy's name wrong and spelled my personal name wrong. So. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a hard time about it. It's fine. He he wrote Software Conservancy, which is becoming a thing. People call the Software Freedom Conservancy mm. Software Conservancy all over the place. I see that a lot now. But there was a Software Conservancy. Yeah, well, it's defunct. But anyway, yep. um, I said was Software Freedom Conservancy is what we're called, and I usually use Conservancy as the abbreviation rather than yep. SFC because there's too many TLAs in the world. Anyway, yeah. Um, so at LCA, um, so are we should we? No, I was I was just talking about. Go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? No, no, no. Go Speak. On. I forgot what I was saying. No, I was going to move to the next topic. LCA. What's? Oh, oh no. I had. Well, I had one more, a few more things. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Speaking of, you said this thing about uh, talking with regard to issues around the U around the world, not just U.S. centric nonprofits talk. I, I recently accidentally got into an argument about that, and I didn't mean to. I got into the middle of an argument about that on the about, false foundations list. Uh oh. Okay. About this, about the, about this issue. Of I haven't had time to follow stuff. the false foundations. Well, there was this, there was really a minor argument. It wasn't intentional. Um, it, it, Josh and I started replying to a thread uh, from somebody else who was raising issues about a, uh, a nonprofit outside the U.S. and we were sort of saying, well, how this would work in the U.S. nonprofit and what would be related business income versus mm -hmm. this is all the exciting things you can hear if you join the false foundations list. Um, and they were saying, well, this this is sort of irrelevant to me because. The, I'm not in the U.S. and this thread's gone in the U.S. direction. I didn't mean for that to happen. And then I suggested we could have jurisdictional specific threads, which I suggested mm -hmm. in a way that people thought I was giving them our time. But I didn't mean to. And anyway, so I tried to resolve all that. I think I did. 
uh, you know, always apologize on mailing lists. It's <laughs> I should just apologize at the beginning of every post. Yeah, I sometimes at the end that. of every post and whatever. I'm sorry, sorry for. It's like uh, in that Red Dwarf episode where there's some ship attacking, and um, Rimmer gets on the mic and says, "Please don't destroy us." And then he and then he gets back on the mic and says, "Oh, and sorry for taking over your valuable time. Sorry, goodbye. Sorry, goodbye. <laughs> sorry." And then hangs up the the the, the mic. So that's, that's, we should just end every. <laughs> Sorry. Goodbye. Sorry for taking up your valuable time. Sorry. <laughs> goodbye. Sorry. Sorry. Goodbye. Sorry. Goodbye. Sorry. I just do that. I should make that my dot sick. That's sad. Why? Anyway. So, um, I think that's stuff. Oh, and scale. Somebody, somebody ran up and hugged me. That's great. And said, and said, I want to hug B. Coon because he saves my software freedom. Aww. That's something like that's never happened to me before. That's it was, awesome. It was kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to react. It was so spontaneous and more than anybody's ever done or said at a conference. That's so really nice. It was very nice. And I was, I, I just didn't know how to react. It was so. I did have a nine year old girl at LCA tell me that my talk was her favorite. Yeah. Then she described herself as a geekling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's. Strange. It was awesome. Actually, oh, she's great. Like really having a good time. So yeah. Um, Should we do a segment? Like oh, a- and and oh, one final thing. Um, so there's been discussion on Identica, and in fact, Scale did not have coffee for all. Fanta- I had to oh. this to Fontana, and I felt particularly bad because there was coffee in the speakers' lounge, and some speakers were taking it out of the speakers' lounge while drinking it, and. Um, it created a class system, which oh. was kind of sad. And a, a attendee actually walk up walked up to me and accosted me and said, where did you get that coffee? Um, and I had to tell him. Was there no coffee for sale? There was coffee for sale, but it was okay. it was gratis coffee for speakers. I understand. So I've learned the lesson that, that when speakers get special benefits that the attendees don't get, you probably shouldn't take it out of the speaker's lounge. Yeah. I felt bad. I had the weirdest experience. I mean, I know we were going to stop this talking about conferences, but... Um, but LCA was that, you know, it was at a university, and so all of the accommodations were in dorms. Um, or most people stayed in dorms. There were some hotels in town, but they were less convenient. So um, we were all just sort of assigned to these dorm rooms. And what was funny is they put all of us, the four of us, keynotes in one hallway. So I had the room next to Bruce Perrins, across from Paul Fenwick, and down the hall from uh, Jake Applebaum. And what was really hilarious about that, aside from the fact that you're sort of brushing your teeth next to each other in the middle of the night because there was just one shared bathroom. Um, That's weird. It, it was really funny. <laughs> um, but the, 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 probably the most hilarious part of the whole experience was that there were all these crickets. Um, and I guess if you listen to my talk, you'll hear me refer to them. Um, but um, there were all these crickets and spiders and things because it was Australia and everything was infested. Um, and I'm never going to Australia. <laughs> When I was prepping my talk the night before my my keynote, um, I, I I hadn't actually noticed that there were crickets in my room before. But because the others were talking about it, I suddenly noticed that there were all of these crickets in my room, like on in the ceiling, on the floor. Like I I don't know if they'd been there before or and I just didn't notice. But um, but one of my favorite parts was Paul Fenwick and uh, and Jake Applebaum chewing all of the bugs out of my room. <laughs> I'm not going to Australia. I don't understand. <laughs> is this really a common thing in Australia, even in the cities? And all the Australians are making fun of me for um, for for being so wimpy about it. This is true in all the even the cities in Australia. I don't know. 
I mean, I don't have a lot of experience in Australia, but um, but all the Australians seem to think that it was no big deal. And I just, you know, the crickets, they jump around and they can fall on your face in the middle of the night. I had a really, I was having a really hard time concentrating. Did they sing that, that rap song? What? The jump around rap song. That is the weirdest comment that I think you've ever... They said they jump, jump around. Do you know that song? <laughs> I, I, the, I do. The 90s, I, early 90s, I, 92, I, I want to say. 93, 92. Yeah. Um, the crickets were not singing jump around, okay, in case you were fine. wondering. I think this is a perfect time for a, a break. Okay. Yeah, especially because people are walking by talking to themselves outside. <laughs> that's I think an they're interest- on the phone. See, that's an interesting thing is, is that uh, when I first got a mobile phone, people thought I was crazy talking to myself. I don't even talk on my mobile phone anymore, really. Because I don't want to die, and um, and now everybody else is doing it. It's like bringing laptops on the airplanes. I was the first person that any TSA agent saw bring a laptop, as far as I could tell, right. back in the early nineties. And now other people have them. All these people have them. So much so that some guy tried to steal my laptop. Wow. Which I had to shout, and I couldn't get the TSA because I was opting out, of course. And I had to shout. So much so that when was this? Well, because it was a couple trips ago. And yeah, this I wasn't like out. nobody had seen a laptop on the plane before, and so someone was trying to steal it. This is no, recently no, no. when everyone somebody yeah when it was everyone's recently. bringing their laptops on, and, and probably they, someone was confused. They were they were well, who knows? They were almost locked away with it. They would got away with it too if I hadn't shouted. I dislike the fact that um, because I always opt out and I have to go through something because I have a, a pacemaker. Um, they they never it's never easy to watch your stuff. I know. I, I, point I keep out, saying I po- like just so you know, I can't see my things and I'm traveling by myself. I told them that too. They don't care. They they usually arrange for me to stand in a different place where I can see it. They don't do that for me. They just say. <laughs> do you smile you got, when you tell? Actually, them? with at JFK, they tell me you've made your choice. You've opted out. You're going to have to live with not being able to see your stuff. Oh, usually I smile and that is the same TSA and tell agent them that I'm really worried about it. And who used who used uh, who, who who used a religious uh, uh, slur to uh, a religious uh, they would uh, Christians would call it the Lord's name in vain to complain about the fact that I was opting out. Hmm. Which I reported to TSA and they didn't care. So I found that uh, a lot of recent, a lot of uh, frequent travelers now have um, instructions from their doctors to not go through the. Um, and now that we're scanner. talking about fake security, what we can do in the next segment, segment is talk about real security. Awesome. And computer security. So, uh, so we're talking about security. Yeah. So one of the talks that I really enjoyed at, um, at LCA was Jake Applebaum's talk. Um, and of course that was about security. Well, it's more about the issue that there, that we don't have security because there's too much security in the sense that there's too many people like TSA, that type of security watching us trying to figure out what yeah, we're doing. That basically we're being surveilled. And, um, and we're making choices. And this is actually dovetails to what was in my talk. So actually, um, Jake and I wound up talking a bit about, um, about GNOME and security and medical devices. And, um, I think some of that, I mean, I think he probably knew what he was talking about anyway, but I think some of those, um, points got a little, you know, referenced in his talk a little bit. Um, and, uh, so you not only keynoted yourself, you convinced other keynotes to mention things you keynoted about. 
That's well, like taking it to a whole new level. You realize he did like, mention GNOME specifically as so you're a like project a super to work on. Keynoter. So you're like, <laughs> you're like basically you're you, you are a cyborg. You're like your well, I am a cyborg. Your keynoting distinctiveness will be added to my own. Like you go around to other keynoters and you're like you assimilate them, <laughs> and then they make your points for you. Boy, um, well, our points dovetailed I, I, nicely into each other. They're gonna fire me from conservancy. They're gonna be like, Karen oh, is Karen is getting all the keynoters to make points about her keynotes in her keynotes. And you don't even get any keynotes, they're going to say to me. You're too kind. Go on. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's like he's mentioning your stuff. And, but the point was, is that it, it, we need free software top to bottom, yeah, which is exactly. why GNOME matters, because we need a desktop that's free software, because we need all free software. And we're making bad choices. Like, we're interesting. Who's we? We, society. We, we as, a, as a people. We, making... we um, technology-loving citizens of the world, are choosing solutions that are you know are in control by major companies and some of the things that we've I'm seen I'm not recently. doing that we're talking me <laughs> this we I've been complaining about that for years well, you, I'm with you have I, I have too but um, but truthfully we have to sort of I, I say Who's we we? <laughs> <laughs> we is all of us except for Bradley <laughs> well, and I is, make really good well, I mean I make good there's choices actually one to- thing I'm making a bad choice about that, that Jacob talked about because I, I stopped using Tor years ago because it was so slow. I actually was talking about it, funny, amusingly enough, while this was going on, I was talking to somebody about this at scale, and they were basically pointing out to me, I was like, do people, are people really so rude as that they're running BitTorrents over Tor? And the answer is basically yes. Mm-hmm. And Tor is slow because of that, which I think is really bad because if people are using Tor as a way to hide the fact that they're infringing copyright, like, not that I don't think people should run any network activity they want to over Tor, it's that, those of us who want to use Tor for a privacy reason, we can't because it's too slow. Right. Um, and I've actually thought about buying. I've looked into into offshore hosting to donate to the world by buying a buying an exit node and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is, is offshore hosting is is expensive and it's it's tough for people in the U.S. to to actually find a way to buy something right. to be used as a Tor node. So I've looked into that myself because I'm like, well, I'm part of the problem because I'm not using Tor. The reason I'm using this Tor is so slow, so I have to be part of the solution, which means I need to put some money up and buy, uh, ideally, an exit node. But uh, oh, I should we should we're doing the thing that they say we do. Which thing? Um, which is we talk about something before explaining what it is. Right. So Jacob in his talk talked about Tor, which is. <laughs> A solution for onion routing, which is a way to hide your your source of your network by basically aggregating the source of your network traffic by aggregating with lots of other people who are hiding their network traffic yeah, through through step by step of different nodes. And to take a step back, don't criticize my use of the word "we" again. But we're creating, we're using technologies that are, are basically building all this information about us and the way that we use the internet, what we look at, what we do. And as we spend more and more of our time interacting with services online, we then put a lot of that information um, in a mineable format, which basically not only encourage or not only permits surveillance on you, it also permits surveillance on everyone you interact with, everyone you say you've hung out with, everyone you've you know you tag in a photo. Um, things like that. And so as these technologies become more incorporated in our society, these issues become more and more critical. Well, and I think this is the reason uh, I, I, I go back to the Jello Biafra thing and say, give me convenience or give me death. I think that's what a lot of people are doing. They're picking oh, convenient solutions like Gmail uh, rather than I, I still run my own mail server. I mean, I do that uh, at least and it breaks sometimes uh, and I have to fix it by hand myself. Uh, and so 
I think a lot of people got sick of running their own mail server. Actually, Harold Velta, who's a good friend of Jacob Applebaum's, had a blog post about this, like still running his own mail server, and why is this so hard to run your own mail server? And it's still hard to run your own mail mm -hmm. server. Uh, and that's one of the problems that we haven't solved to make it easy. But those of us who are able like are giving in. I mean, I see people yep. who used to run their own mail servers using Gmail now mm -hmm. uh, and and loving Gmail. And that's bad because it's proprietary software on the on the client end, but also these things that Jacob raises about Google is collecting data on you. Yep. And on top of that, we've had all these other sort of like baffling breaches of security like or 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 indications that um, records are being kept about people and, and the way they use their phones and you know the carrier IQ stuff recently um you know the the fact that um printers are hackable I mentioned that in my talk um you know and 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 this it's, this comes back to the stuff that I talk about in medical devices because you know what is the software that we rely on truly like you can see that I rely on the pacemaker in my, um, you know, that's in my body that my, it's connected to my heart. I clearly, my life relies on it. And then, you know, you sort of other pieces of technology take a step away from us, right? Like, so, you know, how much are we relying on our phone? Quite a lot, right? It's who we talk to. It's where we are. It's what we do. Um, and then those technologies are even becoming intricately linked with those other ones. So, you know, there's software where you can use your phone to talk to your pacemaker or your insulin pump or whatever. And then you sort of get, it becomes a lot clearer what we're relying on, what we aren't. But the truth is that even just our computers, even just our internet usage contains a lot of information about us that we may choose to want to keep private. And we're not as a society thinking about it because we're so excited about all of the advantages we get from the convenience, as you say. Yeah. I mean, I, I and it's not that I'm so addicted to the convenience of, of low latency that, that, or anything, but, but I, in the end, I, I, I kind of have to, uh, I, I haven't been, haven't tried tour again in, in, in four years, five years now, because it was just, it was just too slow and there weren't enough nodes such that I could. And, and, I'm willing to buy a server, but it's not going to make me able to use Tor. I was actually going to buy one, buy a node and um, uh, and put it up and not even use it myself, not even use Tor myself still because it's probably still too slow. Well, this is part of the reason why I was so glad that that Jake talked about this stuff because we need to be thinking about this. This is stuff that we need to think about all the time. And some of us tried using solutions like Tor some time ago. It was slow. We didn't, you know, we sort of pick and choose and we forget and we don't you know well, we i don't forget every time i every time somebody brings up tor or somebody brings up anything with regard to uh, network privacy and they might have some knowledge on it i say how is tor these days right is it still usable um or is it usable now you mean or yeah, is it usable yeah now? yeah and, and and can i actually just put my traffic through it the whole day long and not care um, because, because in the end, I, I, mean, I, I admit that convenience is important when, when there's some thing for free software I have to do, I end up being worried that I can't get my email out because I'm connected to Tor. Um, and, and, and it's going to take forever for the email to route all the way through. Um, so, so but there I, are other solutions that he also talked about. He talked yeah. about what is the, um, well, he's, I mean, text messaging text encryption. Messaging, yeah. Like that's great. I actually never heard of that before. It makes perfect sense. I'm absolutely going to yeah, try it out. Yeah, I wonder, I, I worry sometimes, you know, cause I, I've used GPG for years and, and so few people use GPG and I had so much, I mean, again, this is just giving up, but, but I had so many people who were outside of the free software world get frustrated that my email I used to just sign all my emails which is actually I mean that's not dealing with this issue because it's not encrypted but I, one of the reasons I signed all my emails was in part to get people asking me about GPG most of the answers I got is your email has a weird attachment I cannot read it 
And right. I got a lot of that for years is- and I put up with it and I finally stopped GPG signing everything and I only sign something when I want to attest that it's really me sending it, which isn't that often. I don't care that often if, if people believe I really sent it or not. But it's, you know, I, 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 these these kinds of things are... It, it, and this is seems yeah. insol- unsolvable. This is part of the reason why I think we need to talk about this stuff, and why I I, I think actually that it's important to GNOME, because mm-hmm. GNOME is a place where we make computing easy. Mm-hmm. We we bring complicated, um, you know, complicated software to people in ways that they can use without even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't if, yeah. we also be thinking about building in security into our desktop? Shouldn't we build security in as more of a default? I mean, I just I, honestly, I haven't really thought too deeply about it yet. I, it's well, just <laughs> in, inspired by me. But but things like email encryption, people, ordinary people, haven't understood yeah. why it's important, or or even that it exists and that they should think about using it ever, let alone making it easy for people to set up and use. But as as my circle of people that I communicate with has expanded, and as the free software community has become bigger and more di- effectively diluted into open source, um, I've had to retreat. Like it's all I can do to be constantly telling, including, and I'll say this, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but even two member projects of Conservancy that I'm not going to meet them on Skype. And that I'm, I mean, and, yeah. and you want to mix the I privacy get that all and free the, software. All the time I have to explain why I don't want to use Skype. Right. But, but that mixes proprietary software with the spying thing, right? Oh, yeah. And so it's all mixed together. And why? It's I, all I mean, mixed together. I mean, I was on a conference call just this day as we record where a team was saying, well, let's just put this all on Google Docs and it'll be so much easier. And I had to sit there and think, do I need to raise an issue? I'm like, well... I'm not actually going to have to load this document because it was going to be between the people I was talking to. I've so had the I left same, it. The same so I left it because it's like, it's like I can't – I'm the person always saying that yep. all the time. And I'm the only one left uh, and I in am so too. many worlds, yeah. in so many contexts. I'm the only person who even says it like you said at your OSCON keynote when you're saying, um, why are all you people at OSCON using Mac? So, of course, you said it much nicer. Um, <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's the thing is you're the only keynote standing up there saying I'm looking back at, at, at so many Apple logos. Yeah, well, some of the Apple logos, to be fair, are are running macOS, but mo- most of them are. Yeah. But I just want to, you know, before because some listeners are going to say, "Wait, yeah, yeah. but what well, about so and so and so?" David Woodhouse is the only person I've ever had sit in front of me with a Mac that was actually running GNU Linux. So <laughs> I've never had anybody else actually. I've heard that a lot. But I have. David I have Woodhouse seen, is the only one. I have seen other people. Okay. Well, he's um, the only one I've ever met who was sitting, literally sitting with a Macintosh computer, but I saw the screen and it was GNU slash Linux. So he's the only one. I haven't met any others yet. Um, look, I've certainly not- seen lots of people who call themselves open source activists um, who are just using Mac OS and well, have some lame excuse a, for it. I was a Linux kernel developer recently who was running Mac OS and I couldn't believe it. It was like, it was amazing to me. Well, because David Woodhouse is a Linux kernel developer, but he's running a Mac with GNU Linux. Right. But uh, to be running clear. Mac OS. So this was a kernel developer no, but, running Mac. But how did they debug? I don't. I mean, I'm not even. I don't want to get into it because I don't know if I can okay. reveal the specifics okay. without actually. I, I I just I think it's pretty amazing they can debug. I guess they have to do all the debugging VMs because how else do they debug Linux? Yeah, I don't know how that all works out. That's but, bizarre. But I was really shocked. I'm not really shocked. I'm not shocked by any of this stuff anymore because because basically everybody wants me to use pri- uh, proprietary or spying software mm, or both at the right. same time all at once. <laughs> so what we're saying is that these issues are all conflated, and you'll find that in my uh, Google Hangouts, my Linux Google Plus, Australia talk, and my other talks that I conflate some of these issues. These issues about security and free and open source software, 
um, you know, and you know, basic well, some, and nothing to be secure software. if it's not free software. So, that we know. So it's it's you know it's it's all of these things uh, that I conflate together, but it's because these issues are so tightly interrelated. No, oh, that's what my point is um, that it's if it's not free software, there's no way anyone other than the for-profit company can be trusted to know if it's secure or not. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, that Jacob Applebaum said, and um, as well as um, as his partner Allegria. She's, they both said, um, so I'm not sure who, who is the source for it, but said that wearing, that, that using security should be considered like wearing clothes, like wearing pants. You know, like you wouldn't, I don't really you like wearing pants. <laughs> wearing clothes in public. Okay. I, I wear pants in public. <laughs> like you, you know, you don't have anything to hide per se, but you'd rather keep, you know, you'd rather keep what's private private. Um, uh, I mean, I, I do have more of, of social convention. <laughs> <laughs> it should become it's our social. It should become our social convention. I agree. Um, to to build in security, and I think you know, I think he made some excellent points in his keynote, and there are things that we should really think about and find ways to incorporate. So I'm going to try to talk about it with the GNOME community and see what people think, because what we are good at is we're good at making software easy to use. We're good at at, at making things intuitive, making um, making software streamlined in the desktop. And why can't we do that with security? Wouldn't that be just the most amazing thing if there were a button that said, turn on Tor? But it wouldn't say Tor, right? Like secure surfing that, you know, pri privacy now, you know, or, 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 or something like that. So, uh, why, why not? Why not say, have, have something instead of saying, you know, explaining what encryption is and what the program is, instead say, you know, make my email unsnoopable, you know, make my email private. Um, so should I should I tell the story that, that Jacob Apple, Applebaum believes I'm par I'm too paranoid about security? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because so I don't think I know this story. I only met him once, uh, and we it was uh, at a conference, and he wasn't actually at the conference, but he joined us for dinner or something like that uh, because it was in wherever town he was in. And so I've been waiting to find somebody to tell this story to. It's I think it's a huge problem. It's a huge security problem for free software. And Jacob said I was just being paranoid. So here's what it is. So. I am d uh, really into Thompson's bug. And if folks, I'll link to it in the show notes. I, we talked right, about it long ago on the show. It, yeah. And <laughs> the fact about Thompson's bug is, is if there's a, if there's something in the compiler that you bootstrap with that is designed to put backdoors into all the software it can, that's all you need to know. You can read the technical details uh, uh, for the show notes. But I, We've always been obsessed with that problem. It just it was one of the most interesting. I was young and impressionable, like like 17 years old when I read that paper, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing. This is so interesting." And one of the first things I asked uh, Richard Stallman, RMS, when I met him, was what compiler he bootstrapped the first version of GCC with. Mm -hmm. He does not remember. He does not even remember what platform it was, which means every copy of GCC could be susceptible to Thompson's bug because if that compiler, whatever he used had a Thompson's bug in it and detected that it was compiling GCC and added that in, we don't have a clean copy of GCC anywhere. And what I propose is a project whereby we start from assembler, from micro, actually from microcode, and build up a compiler environment that can build GCC. And then we can bootstrap GCC one time, once, because you only have to do it once, because once it's bootstrapped, and you actually document this process so it's verifiable, so anybody could bootstrap their own GCC, that they know where it came from, because you can audit each level of code and make sure that there's not a Thompson's bug in each level. If you start from microcode, you'll be fine. Uh, and I explained this to Jacob. I said, you're finally, like, finally talking to you so I can tell this issue to the one person in the world who might believe me. And he looked at me and said, that's really paranoid. Really? 
As a joke or no? No, it's serious. <laughs> he, he said he, 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 he's very much into the odds that something, that figuring out the odds. And I think what he talks about in his, in his talks are the odds are so high that somebody's going to spy on you. Somebody's going to have backdoors in your software, yeah. all these things. Yeah. The odds are very high for that now because it's been shown. Yes. And the scenario I described has extremely low odds because it would have required basically an evil genius to be working on that old proprietary compiler that RMS boots right. from, which he's right about. But the point is we don't know. We don't know for sure. We'll never know. Unless we bootstrap again from scratch. And this actually, I'm saving, the reason I don't tell this that often is mainly because I'm saving this as, as like if I ever decide to get a PhD, that's going to be, I'm going to try to pitch that as a PhD project. Well, that's pretty thought provoking, actually. Yeah. And Armas doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. And, and he, I try, I, I grilled him for a while and tried to get doesn't him to remember. Doesn't that sound even more suspicious? No, because <laughs> Armas doesn't remember if he's ever talked to Steve Jobs, and he probably at one point did talk to Steve Jobs. So, I mean, hmm. there's lots of things Armas doesn't remember because. Um, he just doesn't remember them, but so I don't think that's suspicious at all. RMS actually, if he had known right away, that would have been suspicious. That would have been more suspicious. RMS saying I don't remember something is not suspicious. RMS remembering something immediately that he you think he might not remember would be suspicious. So it's the other way around. So it's not suspicious at all. But I'm still worried about it, and I continue to be worried to this day about it. I've been worried about this for 20 years. Does it keep you up? Um, not in about 15 years. <laughs> um, but it is a big concern, and I can't even get Jacob Applebaum to care about it. Well, I highly recommend that everybody listen to Jacob's talk because it's very thought-provoking. It's, it, I, I thought it was an excellent talk. Um, and uh, think about ways that we can incorporate better security into free software generally. And see you at FOSDEM if you're there. You should come see us in the, on Saturday. I will be in the legal issues we, track we both the whole will day. Be. Oh, it, is your desktop track on Sunday? Uh, I think it's actually yours, both, both days, but um, I'll, yeah, be, I'll be back, back and forth. forth so. so I'll just be on the legal issues track all day on Saturday, and then I don't know what I'm doing on Sunday. I have so many meetings scheduled, and apparently scheduling meetings at FOSDEM means you don't actually schedule. You just tell people you'll make sure you see them, which I know, I have a lot of those too. It's really tough. So, uh, so, but I'll be there. Uh, and, and there will be a, a GNOME marketing meeting. So, you uh, mentioned last time. But at FOSDEM? Did yeah, you mentioned mention it last that? time. We oh, mentioned everything. Sorry. We did this big on So uh, if you'd like to participate in that, shoot me a, a line. And uh, our next show will be the first uh, talk recorded from FOSDEM, unless there's serious equipment fail, uh, which I hope there won't be. Uh, but you'll find out next episode. Great. Free as in Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Free as in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Free as in Freedom, Bradley and Karen, on Identica and also read Bradley and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Free as in Freedom website, faif.us. That's faith.us. 